comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. What the hell club are you in, Jay Quillen? Future Leaders of America. Okay, okay. How would you know if you're going to be a leader in the future? Is there a stargate in your bedroom? Can you travel through time, Jay Quillen? No. Just sit the flip down. Episode 343. The moon with the Rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Move your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. Tonight's episode: World War HHW. That's why you never hire zombies to do uh, arborist stuff at your house. The trees don't have brains. Exactly, Bill. Oh. You know what? Exactly. You know what vegetarian zombies eat? No. Grains. <laughs> oh, I like that. You like that one? I like that. So you see, I can't think vegetarian. Yeah, I think I made that up. I may uh, have heard it. You heard it. I'm gonna, right, darn it. Yeah. I'm gonna have to tell it to my six year old. It's one of those you thoughts that it's one of those things <laughs> like you think you had that original thought and and it more than likely was something you heard in passing and you know what you never made a mental note about it but it it just sat there in your subconscious until one day it comes out and you think it's your own thought. So have you guys seen this Burger King commercial for the French fry burger? Yes. No. Okay. Yes. So Burger King has this new burger called it's a it's a hamburger with French fries on it. And it's and like this, a buck, man. Yeah, it's a buck. It can't be good for you. But anyway, so it's, it's good for a, your wallet. <laughs> there's an adult man about to eat it, and he's looking at it and stuff. And then this little kid sees him doing that, and she goes, "Mom, they stole my idea." Because as kids, did you ever do that? Like put the French fries in your hamburger or potato chips in your sandwich yeah, and eat of it? Okay. So that's obviously what she's referring. What you drinking there, Brad? Is that Galifianakis? <laughs> Good. Yeah, it's good. Do you see, it's his, a little uh, confusing at times, but it's. <laughs> I finally saw his "Between Two Ferns" with Justin Bieber. Pretty I was funny. Extremely isn't it? amused by yeah. that. I haven't seen that. He one. ends up he ends up taking his belt off and spanking Justin. Bieber Yeah, it's with pretty it. funny. <laughs> and then, well, the the best line obviously is like when you're writing a song. Do you ever think to yourself, "Hey, what if I don't make something crappy right now?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I swear they kept using the same. They kept using the same shot, the same reaction shot yeah. of Justin Bieber. Yeah. Because it'd just be this shot of just this complete stone face yeah. on him. Just, you know, looking back, no nodding, no nothing. It's just pretty awesome. It could be a still image almost. It's pretty awesome. Very funny. Very funny You stuff. were in the middle of telling a story or something. So, when I was a kid, this was before digital cameras. Okay. Um, we were taking some pictures, like this was elementary school, maybe third grade. And went up behind someone and I gave him bunny ears. Yeah. Thinking that was the funniest thing in the world. It's pretty funny. Still is. 
About a week later, yeah. I'm watching television, yeah. and there's a commercial, and someone does that in the commercial. I was, I really thought that they had, someone had seen me at school <laughs> do that, and stole my idea. For the longest time, and I they, thought I invented that. And they that. made a commercial that quickly. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, third grade, you don't know anything. It's just like, yeah. you just think. Hey, speaking of, sometimes you turn those things out pretty fast. Yeah. Speaking of being a kid, yeah. uh, um, we were all kids in the 80s. Mm-hmm. There's a new sitcom on called The Goldbergs. How is it? I love it. It <laughs> makes me laugh. It takes place in the 80s. Wendy McClendon, Wendy McClendon Covey. Wendy Covey uh, from Reno From Reno 911, the blonde lady. Yeah. She's the mom. That's her? Yeah, she's the mom. And the kid who plays a young Nacho Libre and a young Jack Black in um, Tenacious D's The Pick of Destiny. It's the same actor kid. He, I believe it's the same one. He definitely is has played a young Jack Black okay. in, uh, in one or two of Jack's movies. He's like the older boy in this family of, of five, well, six if you count the, the grandfather that moves in. But okay. it's, it hits it on the head, man. It's like <laughs> right out of the 80s. Um, the little kid has a VHS recorder, one of those big ones that you rest on your shoulder, yes. and he's always videotaping his family, and at the end of each episode, there have only been two that have aired, but at the end of each episode, they've shown video clips, actual video clips, that the producer of the show, Adam Goldberg, took when he was a kid, and it's a scene directly out of no the way. episode that you just watched. Nice. It's really well done, and it makes me laugh, and... So far, the the dad is my favorite. He's he's the best. I can't remember the guy's name. His name's, seen him. His name's Jeff Garland, and he was in. Um, uh, he's best known for uh, the uh, Curb. Larry, yeah, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, okay, he's great. Yeah. And my favorite scene with him so far is he walks in, he shuts the door, like walks in from work in the afternoon, shuts the door, and just immediately drops his pants down to his ankles. <laughs> steps out, he goes, I'm home! And the pants go shoom, down to the ground. He goes, TV's mine! And he just immediately walks to the... And he's always walking around in his underpants. It's the greatest. It's really fun. It's really, it's a really fun show. I'm, I'm pleased with it so far. I saw one scene where the older son was trying to get money for his dad from his dad, and his dad says, "No, you know, you don't need it." Blah blah blah. Yeah. Daughter comes up and she asks for money, and he kind of says no, but then she goes, "It's for girl stuff," uh-huh. and he just kind of opens his wallet. He has a real aversion to like feminine hygiene and. And tampons and stuff. There's a scene it's where... They, any, any good father is completely <laughs> averse to that. There's a scene where they bring in the groceries, and the girl comes in, reaches in the bag, pulls out the box of tampons, and the father sees she it. She goes, thanks, Mom, and yeah. walks off. And the father is shocked. He goes, burn all the food! <laughs> he goes, yeah, he, he goes, was that in the bag with the groceries? And she says, yeah. And he says, throw it all away. <laughs> yeah. Burn all the food. It's pretty funny. I, I'm, I'm having a good time with that show a lot. It's pretty nice. funny. Nice. I haven't latched on any, uh... I stopped watching most comedies, I think. Quite a, probably, uh... Rest of Development was the last comedy I really watched. I've, I see episodes of New Girl every now and again. Key and Peele is back on with season three. Yeah. It's pretty good so far. Brooklyn. I guess my comedies are Family Guy and South Park. I guess I, I do... I, I do wait for those, for sure. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is very funny. That's gone Fox. Adam, okay. Adam, Andy Samberg. Andy Samberg is, uh, and Andre Brower is the, the captain, and he's the straight man. Yes, but he's not straight. No, he's, no, he's not. He's gay. He's a gay character. <laughs> okay. But uh, 
Brumch. Hey. But uh, he's actually pretty funny in the show. He's very funny. Um, it's it's not as funny as I want it to be, but and the little guy, the little squirrely guy, Joe Latriglio, mm-hmm. I think is how yeah, you pronounce his name. He's from the state. You nailed it. Yeah, he's funny. Um, it's a it's a pretty decent show. I look forward to that too. I'm, I'm I haven't started watching it. Yet. We've missed I've missed what two episodes? Three, three, three. now. Oh dear. Yeah. Well. I'm not going to start watching now because I'll never catch up. <laughs> the uh, well, right? it's a sitcom. Right? You're it's right? a sitcom. Right? The Goldbergs okay. come on. You can right after right. Marvel's Agents of Shield. Oh yeah, which I was listening to Shield's uh, uh, your episode oh, with yeah. you and just and uh, I was Russell? listening to it on the way in. Yeah, Dang it, I haven't seen episode, episode two yet. Russell and I did, recorded an episode um, last night for episode two, and uh, Johnny couldn't make it. Um. Well, it's a long commute for him. Yeah. Um, so, I'm enjoying the show so far. Um, do you know there's a big cameo at the end of the episode? No, I did not know that. Okay. I saw the cameo. Yeah. I did watch the episode last one. Yeah. I mean, you can spoil it for me if you want to. Or this if, guy here. Oh, cool. He shows Excellent. up. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. The real deal. Nice. And and uh, I, I like the show. I, I was sp- speaking to my friend Chris today. Um... And I said, did you, did you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? And he said, yeah, I watched it. And I said, he goes, I like it. He goes, is that what you're telling yourself? Or do you really like it? And I said, you don't like it? And he says, I'm having a really hard time with it. And he's a Marvel nut, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I certainly consider myself a Marvel nut, if we're going to use that phrase. Um, Marvel zombie, I, I think, is the term. Yeah, it is. I thought the, um, the first episode was a lot more, what's the best word? It was a lot more formulaic than I, I expected it to be. Yeah, I, I really expected something really kind of mold breaking, and I think it's. I think a lot of it is expecting way too much out of it. I, I think it's kind of unfair to expect it to be, you know, this new paradigm for a TV show. Um, but yeah, I just thought all the the. You know, I was like, okay, well, we got to get our team of five or six guys together. It's like you, it could just it could just be a shield show. <laughs> you don't have to have you know the cast of Glee or whatever. It doesn't have to be just these five people only. You know, but they've got the smart they got the smart scientist guy who's you know they got the 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 lady who she wisecracks, but she's really good at computers and she's trouble. And they got the yeah. you know and with the brother sister combo, they're not brother they're, sister. They're not. Their they're last like, names are Fitz. And Simmons. Oh, that's right. Okay, but everybody refers to them as a single entity. And they call him Fitzsimmons. Right. Go tell Fitzsimmons to blah blah blah. Okay. <laughs> I just there's there's a lot of there's way more good than bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing that I really took away from the first episode, not having seen the second yet, is uh, how different Agent Coulson is personality wise. You think so? I really do. <clears throat> in in the movies. What what does that face mean? Yeah, I, I think he's very much like in the movies. Let's hear let's hear. Yeah, okay, let's well I've got an answer for you. In the movies, he he smirks. He clearly has a sense of humor, or whatever, but you don't really see it. I mean, the most you see is kind of a smirk out of him, maybe an offhanded comment that could be taken in an amusing way. Um, but in this show, are we doing spoilers here? Go ahead. The first episode. It's been on two weeks. It's been on right. two weeks. Okay. Spoilers. Um, three weeks, actually. So, the first episode, he comes out, and he's really... he. Okay. The reason I think he's different is because he's very smiley, and he's very almost jokey. I mean, it's really almost... 
almost out of place for a character in a position that high. I mean, you don't see Nick Fury going around cracking wise, do you? Well, you got but, to see a little bit of that in in the Avengers, and, and you know, I, I understand he, they he played, they've given he, him those moments, but it, it but it hasn't been his main personality trait. How like much it seems but, like it is in the episode. Now, granted, now, you've got forty-five minutes of him on this episode right. with Coulson in all the movies combined. Yeah, what did you snippets. get? Maybe five minutes, ten minutes, uh, you know, ten fifteen minutes. I mean, he has a pretty he has a pretty long appearance. In the Ooh, that salamander just caught a bug. Nice, I good. Just saw you, that. Anyway, you go and eat, Mister. Oh, we're on the patio, by the way. Yes. <laughs> um, I just episode. I think his character is just a lot. It's. It's a lot jokier. I mean, his character is almost being played, you know, not as the straight man, but he's almost, he's almost the funny guy in this. And I just think it's it's borderline out of place. Now, the explanation, which for those of you who watched the first episode, hopefully it hit you like a sack of bricks when Hill leans over, or who was it? It was it was the doctor Ron Glass says yeah. he really doesn't know, does right? He? And he never can, he, or he, he, he can must never, never know. Yeah. He can never know. He can't ever. And know. so it's like no way. So he did die in the Avengers, and this is a life model decoy. I don't think it is, and he doesn't know that he's a life model decoy. I don't think it's a life model decoy. You don't? No, I don't. Ooh. After hearing, um, I don't want to repeat a lot of what I said on the Shield podcast, but um, it's. It's our opinion, mine and John and, and Russ's, that, that he is not a life model decoy. And that, I'll just say this much. Well, if, okay. In, in the first episode, he refers to Tahiti as being a magical place. Right. He says it at least three times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He said it again at least once in the second episode. And Sky says, yeah, you've said that before. You know, like, yeah, we get it. There's yeah. magic. I think that's point blank they're telling us he was revived with magic. This is the real Coulson. No life model decoy. Well, but if it's really Coulson, him, why, oh, that is why, why would very you have, clever. But why would you have any, you know, why would you have any reservations about saying, dude, you died, you got brought back? I don't What's know. What's wrong with I that? don't know, and that's a valid question, okay. but we'll obviously learn more. Yes. But the three of us have decided that he's not a life model decoy. Okay. He bleeds in the second one. In the second episode, I don't oh, know if I life think, model decoys. I think LMDs are made to do that. Okay, too. okay. Well, this is the comic book that we're talking right. about. That's our only experience with LMDs yeah. so far. So, you know, I mean, to to dumb it down for the movie audience and stuff who aren't familiar with with the comic books that greatly, I mean, they could just say he's a clone well, and just leave it at that. LMDs aren't robots; they're androids. They're synthetic humans. So they've got synthetic blood and synthetic skin and synthetic muscle tissue and you know they're they're basically artificial humans they're not robots so i I, my explanation to myself was self he's a life model decoy and there's and you don't have you know the same experience base you don't have you know there are differences between uh something that's you know you have a difference between a smalacrum, I didn't say that word right, and the real thing. There, there's always, you know, even a clone is not going to have the same life experiences. Yeah. Well, know? maybe he really is a life model decoy, and they're throwing us 
yeah. a red herring by bringing up magic over and over again. And it could easily be that the life model decoy thing is a red herring because they do reference that in the Avengers. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, you know, it's. I think it's it's the easy call to say that oh, Coulson died. This is a life model decoy. That's why he's different. And I think it's interesting that you guys disagree with the fact that he seems different in the TV show. He seems. I just like... think we've seen we're seeing more layers of it. I think it's the same guy, but yeah. he gets in the movie. He he didn't in the movies. He never did have the chance to kind of kick back and crack wise. Yeah, he was all he was always on the clock. Well, in the movies. he's a Clark uh, Clark Gregg. Yep, is a good enough actor that you can see that in his eyes, even though he's not playing the funny guy in his cameos in the Marvel movies at this point. Um, you know, Iron Man two, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, you see that he's got that in him. But it really seems like that personality trait is really pronounced, almost to the point where it's it was distracting to me almost. And between that and just the the kind of, um, it, it felt very much like okay, this is like um, if Fringe was a Marvel comic book, you know, taking place in you know the Marvel universe. This might be what it's like because it seemed very fringy. It's the Fringe team, yeah. you know, they're going out and they're. They're trying to scientifically figure out, you know, things that that other people don't have the yep. the wherewithal to to figure out. I you know? I like your theory about magic being that Thor is in this universe, so and Thor has is said, Asgard and Tahiti. Then, well, no, but you know, uh, magic is just science you don't understand. Isn't right. that the line that that Thor has? Yeah, so, something I mean, like what you call magic, we call science. Yeah. something like that. Yeah. So I mean. You know, maybe that will be revealed in the new Thor movie. Who knows? I, but I, I don't I, want him. To, well, I don't want him to cross that line, though. I think that would be a really bad idea to have him actually be him and be brought back by magic. Because much like Kirk at the end of Star Trek Into Darkness, okay, well, you just invalidated the very concept that someone can die. Yeah. You know the, the whole the, the whole emotional weight behind this might be a mortal. You know, this might be a mortal mistake you're making, or this might be your heroic last stand, or whatever. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We can just bring him back to life to eat it at mm-hmm. Thor's, you know, summer home or whatever. Um, so I, I hope that's not it. Um, I'm, I'm finding the show we're in the second episode yeah. to be very safe. It hasn't wowed me yet. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. I'm, I'm enjoying it, but it's not like it's not must see TV for me. It's I'm not. I'm not rushing to see it. Well, what it feels like is it, it doesn't feel like Josh Whedon wrote it, which he didn't. He wrote the first he one. Co-wrote he co-wrote the first co- episode. Okay. It feels like Josh Whedon gave a plot line to a group of writers, you know, it was, to a group of about 15 writers. It was his writers. brother his and... His brother and his brother's either wife or girlfriend, yeah. I can't yeah. remember. Mm-hmm. Marissa mm-hmm. Tancheron. But it just, has, it, just feels like, it just feels like you get the stable... Of writers who are all going to homogenize it, and you know, it's almost like a game of telephone, where the the story starts out one way in the beginning, and by the time it gets to the end, it's changed quite a bit. Well, you know, it, you've got the the marketing guy saying, "Hey, you know, marketing says you should have this plot line to you know bring in more, you know, eighteen to thirty four females," and it just seems like playing it safe is man, that's a great man, that was a great way you uh, just described it there. I I couldn't say it better. I, I kind of wish that Coulson wasn't the lead on it 
though, mostly because I never cared for him that much in the movie. I mean, he always played a small part. He was always the guy always on the clock. You know, he'd have a little laugh here and there, but it's just, they're just, again, he's a safe character. To I me. like Coulson a lot. I, I, I want more personality from Coulson, and I'm I hope sure we'll we get, get more. I'm sure yeah. we'll get it as time and goes see, by. I expect a lot more, um, just the facts, ma'am. You know, a lot more Joe Friday from him. And instead of we're getting a character who's borderline comedy relief. I want him to be like Spock, in a way. You know, very smart, very logical, but you just kind of love well, him. You know? And see, I think and you, you love I, him, Brad, but I'm 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 failing to make that emotional connection towards. No, I hear you. In fact, we talked about you. Didn't name you mm-hmm. last night, <laughs> Russ and I. You should have. I said he'll. I said some of our. I said you know not everybody's a fan of Coulson. In fact, some of our friends, who shall remain nameless, aren't really big fans of Coulson. And I said, but Russ and I were like, well, that's fine. But and we get it. But we just we both like him. He's your guy. Yeah, I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. He's funny. And uh, hopefully, you know, I've started to mellow out in my fandom, I guess. And instead of hoping and demanding, that's a harsh word, but expecting, I think, is a better word for things to be a certain way. I'm just kind of, you know, the wa- and just kind of hiding in the bushes and waiting. And the Walking Dead TV show kind of helped me get there, I think, because I expected a certain something from that show when it started. And three three seasons in, you know, it's not what I expected, and I'm I'm okay with it. So, you know, I just I I don't know what to expect from Thor two other than it looks awesome, and I can't wait to see it. You know, I don't know what to expect from Guardians of the Galaxy. Frankly, I'm not expecting anything, Ugh. but I'm gonna go in I'm, with an open mind and and. I can tell yeah, you right now, my expectations will be way too high for Guardians I'm of the Galaxy. Gl- I'm glad I'm not I where you love are. It and I'm I'm Man. I'm so I'm in an unfortunate position with the Spider-Man movies. Okay, because I'm such a you know Spider-Man yeah. is my guy. I expect and want so much and so certain specific things. Yeah, you know, and the last one didn't deliver and. I'm afraid that's going to happen for you with Guardians of the Galaxy. It's possible. I, see, I think I arrived at a point, uh, it may have been, I don't know, I think it happened to me in sports first where I went from being the fan who was just crushed when your team lost. You know, and there's plenty of adults out there in this world who, you know, if the Eagles, the Giants lose, they're impossible to deal with for the next week. You know, there's, there's a lot of people out there who just, who put way too much emotional resonance into victories and losses by your athletic teams. And I got to a point finally where I think I'm happy with it. Um, I think it does slightly diminish my enjoyment of my team winning, but if they lose, I'm disappointed, but it's like, you know what? They're not paying me. I had nothing. I finally realized that I have nothing to do with them winning or losing, (laughs) you know, except for the, the, the huge bathtub superstitions I try to follow in watching individual teams. Um, I I think the same thing is going to happen to me in, in comic books, where comics don't really, you know, I don't get angry, you know, with a comic book anymore. Um, at, at worst, I'm disappointed. And um, I just read the... Uh, the Rise of the Third Army, the uh, the Green Lantern storyline, mm-hmm. and I have not read past that to the uh, the Revenge of the First Lantern, 
So I don't know where that story goes, but I read the I read the comic and it's like, God, I'm glad I didn't, I'm glad I didn't spend 150 bucks on the omnibuses. I think Jeff Jones got but, out right when he should have. Yeah, I I think um, you know it could also be a lot like uh, you know your favorite musician who has you know the first album is seminal and the second and third albums are even better but it's a little changed by the fifth or sixth album you know he's expressed most of his songwriting ideas i kind of wonder if there have got to be writers that that happens to you know nobody has just an endless font of brand new truly inspiring original ideas i think if you look well if you look at, at all those artists that you love and stuff yeah. i mean all their all that magic that they do they always do during those young angsty years yeah. and then as they grow older and as they become wiser and they realize that certain things don't matter as much as they used to yes they start to mellow out and they kind of lose that passion they lose that's, that edge that's and that's not a bad thing that's just growing older and wiser and realizing you know what well, and, you know, it, it, it doesn't, you know, we broke up, and you know what? And now, ten years later, that was a good thing. It, it can be a bad thing. I, I remember. Uh, well, I, it's not a bad uh, thing. It's just you, you, you reflect. You reflect in a different way. A uh, buddy of mine who I just treasured, uh, a guy named Brian Barry, uh, went uh, went to high school. Uh, uh, well, like middle school through high school did you him. bury him in the sand i did not uh, i actually have lost contact with treasured him, him. and i missed that guy. oh wow but uh i apologize he said, uh, for that, that was you pretty, said it too late often. he said you know um uh, cheap trick was really good until they stopped having problems and hmm. okay you know what that makes perfect sense you know, they went from uh, Dream Police and all shook up and, you know, Live at Budokan stuff to putting out stuff that was really kind of middle of the road. And he said once once all their problems got solved, you know, they just, they're not the same. And I think that, that plays into probably most avenues of life out there. I think as you get, and the artist you like get older, you start to reflect on certain things. Like, if you look at the teeny boppers, yeah. the the new generation, the Justin Biebers and stuff like that, they're singing about things that we've already experienced. And yeah. they're singing about things that we're like, oh, in 20 years, that is going to seem so insignificant. But they're singing to people who that is new to them, that breakup, that first love. That, uh, you know, not being able to fit in and all that stuff. And all that is new. And that's why, that's why you know, music, rock and roll, rap, whatever you want to call it, that, that genre of music is always so young. Because it's volatile and it's new. Yeah. You know, if, it, it, you know, the guys our age who are making music and stuff, I mean, they're like, oh, you know, they're singing about, what were they going to sing about? Their mortgage? Their, uh, right. you know, yeah. I got to get milk? You know, oh, my my wife, you know, me and my wife, we we got, you know, we had a bad vacation. You know, it's, it's you, as you grow older, these little things just don't become as Well, it's just, it's against the laws of physics that, you know, as you become a success, um, your edge starts to dull. I mean, that's the whole reason you fought and scratched to get where you, where you ended up. And it's like, well... Okay, I'm here now. Now what? It's like all the pain and the sleep, you know, sleeping in a van and, you know, crashing on, you know, roadies, you know, sofas and stuff. Those days are over. I'm sleeping in the Four Seasons now and I've got my own bus. 
You know, so what problems am I going to write about now? Yeah. At that point, you basically go back to the most generic, you know, of, of ideas. Um, I guess unless you've got, you know, specific personal. You senior, you senior classics. Yeah. And uh, and then you go and you start. You put out an album of standards. Thank you. And, Thank you. <laughs> and you yes. put your spin on it, and then you know that's <laughs> that's how you stay relevant. And then the new Black Sabbath album that came out. Uh, this year called 13 yes it had uh, Ozzy Osbourne and Geezer Butler and right. I can't remember the guitar player's name but the, those three guys are in it Tony I, Iommi yeah he, and I, uh, I, I think the drummer from Rage Against the Machine uh, played on this new album okay for them. see I thought Bill Ward was still with them I don't recall alright there was an article in Bass Player I, Magazine I remember about the, Geezer Butler that I read and I'm pretty sure they said that the dude from Rage <laughs> Against the Machine that may be true because they, uh, uh, I think Bill Ward may have drummed on the album. I'm not 100% on this, but I know that they decided that he was, he he was in no shape to go on the road with them. Okay. And Maybe I think Ozzy basically said, dude, you can't come. Sorry. Rick Rubin, um, before they sat down to record and write for this new album, he made them listen to their first album over again. And it, and uh, in their article, Good. Geezer said, we hadn't listened to that album the last time we listened to that album together, the three of us, was 30 years ago when we recorded it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, as a result, they kind of went back back to their roots, and they you know, have recorded a, an album with a classic sound. And um, I listened to, I've, I've listened to it once all the way through, and there's some good stuff on it. Um, the deluxe some- album, the deluxe version has a couple of faster tempo songs, which I really like. Okay. But... Um, and of course, there's one on there called Zeitgeist that has. I mean, it's like that trippy, acid trip, you know, acoustic guitar and keyboard. And oh, okay. Old Black Sabbath. Um, but it's uh, you know, they kind of. You can only. You're only going to go so far before you go back to what worked the first time. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. right. Well, this is uh, me being music douche, but when I found that Ozzy was going to be the vocalist and not uh, the great Ronnie James Dio. I was like, nah. Ronnie I've... James Dio is dead. <laughs> huh? Didn't Dio die? I don't think so. I'm going to look it up right now. Go Pretty for sure it. he died. Well, that would certainly explain why he's not with him. But no, I mean, I I get that Dio replaced Ozzy the first time around. Uh, but Dio was my voc was the vocalist on the sabbath album or two that i i liked uh, so yeah so that's like that's not even the real sabbath that's yeah. like when pink floyd well no, I, like my pink floyd he is died Sam, it was real sabbath ronnie dreams dio died age 67 on may the 16th 2010 that's sad you didn't know I'm that i'm sorry dio family i probably heard about it when yeah. it happened and it's been three years that explains why ozzy's back yeah. He sings in a low register. I'll give you that one. You know, on all these new songs, he sings in a lower register, which would be obviously be easier to reproduce on the road. Singing yes. his his old higher register songs on on tour probably going to be a little difficult, but <laughs> right. And it's always amazing to me when you get the uh, the vocalist who's been singing for thirty stinking years and are still pretty much getting up there those high notes. Getty is one of those. Yeah. You know, Robert Plant uh, from. The Rush, by the way. Oh, The Rush! Thank they are you. so that, good. That's a callback to last week. Especially made. <laughs> the Rush. They are so good, Frank. Hey, the, uh, Thank you. The Earth, Wind, and Fire put a new album out recently, too. Oh, no way. Did they? Yeah, and it, uh, it's kind An of an original album? Yeah, brand new. They've been putting albums out 
for a long time. I think maybe the last one they put out was three or four years ago, but they've been consistently putting albums out. Holy cow! Experimenting with a lot of hip hop and stuff like okay. that. But this newest album yes. is like back to basics, with old the, Earth, Wind, and Fire. With it's, the hit single October. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Do you <there's> remember? Some, <laughs> there that thirty first night of, of October. October. <laughs> there's some really good stuff on it. When we scared you, Philip Bailey our costumes. <laughs> Philip Bailey is singing with him again. Maurice, nice. Maurice White is not, but Philip Bailey is back, and Verdine White, the bass player, is still there, just throwing, laying down the grooves. It's oh, some good yes. stuff. Some pretty good stuff. Well, didn't uh, Nile Rodgers? Was it just him uh, on the uh, Daft, Punk. Daft Punk album, or did think, he bring back some of the uh, chic bandmates? I think it's just Nile Rodgers. I okay. could be wrong, but I think it's mainly him laying down some funky guitar. Oh yes, riffs. Frank's Boy. looking at the clock because he wants to go home and go to bed. Yeah. I always want to sleep. I can't tell, Brad. Hey, I don't, don't know, know, dude. Let me get the... Oh, we're up at... We're at uh, 32 minutes. Oh, jeez. We got plenty wow. of time. Good heavens. We've got a good hour. we got a good hour. Oh, yeah. So, so how about in, sports? People? Let's talk. You ready, to call, you ready to call it a night already? That's how come I didn't drink an adult beverage because I was... Uh, you sleepy? Hmm? Well, I would get I would get sleepy. Okay. No, we're fine. You do have a... You got a bit of a bit of a drive. Both you guys do. My my drive, which everyone wants to hear about, is is uh, to get the Bills house uh, in the afternoon is just it's just bad. There's no way around oh, it. So you just, you no just got to deal with it. Yeah. So you know, uh, if I had left, my original plan was just to come from work straight to here, but when we decided to move the time up, then I went my errand. I said I had to go run an errand. Okay. Milk. I needed milk and cereal. You made a milk morning. run? I made a milk run. Nice. Dropped my milk, got in my uh, khaki shorts, laid in my bed for a minute, then I headed on out. Oh, How's man. The, how are the condo repairs going? Oh, they are done. Yeah? They're 100% done. It took, Yay. I took, there was this online calendar that you could put in an end date, a beginning date, end date, and it would tell you how long it would take. Nine weeks and four days it took yeah. to get my, uh, Is it back for to me normal, or did they make improvements uh, they made some improvements, but it's back to normal. Good thing is nothing out of my pocket. You got a hot tub now, right? Yes, I got the hot tub. Good. But uh, I specifically just wanted lukewarm water. Okay. It makes you perspire. Um, you said something about your, your mail slot in your door is now all digital. <laughs> yeah. Which didn't make it any sense just to accepts emails. Right. That's it. That's the way of the future. Yeah. I mean, I mean know, <laughs> we watch Seinfeld. Mail, we know that nobody mail. needs mail these days. Snail mail? God, there, there's a small chance there's a postal worker listening to us. <laughs> I would like to apologize for that crack. I was uh, ill-considered and uh, rashly uh, thrown out there. Your job was not I'm sorry. Um, sorry. closed down during the government shutdown. Right. I do work for the federal government, but I, uh, where I work, we are not, um, we are exempt. Because we are a self-sustaining entity. Oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. Because I was sitting there thinking... When it all went down, that wow, you know, Frank's gig I think would be way high up on the chalking on the chopping block yeah, because like, it's like, you know, what what you do is clearly important, but I can't it's imagine anyway. It's not it's not essential to the functioning of our nation, and so that, that's cool. But you're right, you you make your own money. We so make our that, own that money. Makes uh, I sense. work for the Army Air Force Exchange Service, and uh, it's basically the BX and PX for anyone familiar with. Uh, military bases or post and uh, I do uh, I produce commercials for them and uh, we we're self-sustaining we don't we get 
3% from the government, and that's just transportation logistics money when we oh. have to go overseas, okay. when we have to go into a war zone and stuff. Right. Um, or a battle area. That's it. We we make our own money, so we are not affected by it. That's good. How's the thermometer? Uh, it has been taken away. Oh. <laughs> so, I don't know. You two are the oh. only one that knows what, what that refers to. That was to. inside, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was an inside. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll tell you later. Okay. All right. But, um, yeah, so, but I, you know, hopefully, at this point, we're three days into the government shutdown. Yes. And that's just sad to think that there's some people who, you know... May not well, be getting a paycheck. I think there's two incredibly striking thoughts about the governmental shutdown. A, um, there are people out there who are being affected in a very most negative ways. I mean, there's there's women, infant, and children out there who are going to be really suffering because of this because they don't got a paycheck. They don't um, got money. Yeah, and because uh, they uh, ain't working. But, and I realize this is there's a bit of a dichotomy here between what I'm about to say next, but uh, it's also amazing to me how a government shutdown means that 75% of the government is still operating and that it really, what really has it affected? I mean, other than national parks. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a IRS help desk. I think there's some, while post office is still working, I think well, they had some cutbacks. Well, I think it was funny that uh, I saw a stat said, uh, 93% of the Environmental Protection Agency is considered non-essential. 50% of the DOD is considered non-essential. And I'm doing this off my head. There were, there were other departments that uh, were listed, but it was surprising how, how high those percentages were. It's like, so, if it's not essential, then why were we paying for you in the first place? That, yeah, that's a, it, it's like... Because um, it makes life easier, quote-unquote. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, this is this podcast is not the place to get off on a uh, large government versus small government debate. See that salamander? It's about to get that bug. Gecko's about to a gecko. eat, man. There you go. It's sneaking up, sneaking up. There's a gecko. Ah! Oh! oh! So we were wow! just watching a salamander Fast. or a gecko, a gecko. on Fast Bill's fence, dude. and it was encroaching on a bug, Fast. and it got it. Wow. Like watching a fish eat He's a grilling the night. <laughs> That's uh, that's good eating. That was a moth. That wasn't like a little oh, gnat or anything. It, it was looked like a tiny moth. It was a, it was bigger than his head. It. Yeah, maybe it was just the wings. And we're eating. We're outside too. Mm-hmm. I guess we should. We never really explained that. We did for the first episode. I think this, this is episode, episode three forty three. Yeah. yeah. So we're just outside, kind of enjoying the uh, we lovely Dallas weather. The, we uh, mentioned episode three fifty in the last episode. The sun has oh. dropped and it's really nice yes, out here right very now. Nice. Very and, uh, We were kind of vague with uh, when we might record episode 350, but I think we nailed down a day. Yes. So Frank's calling up the half-hour wasted calendar. Thank goodness somebody is. But why don't you tell him the concept of it while we bring up the date? Uh, suggested by the great Liz Hill, we're going to call you guys if you send us an email saying you would like to participate. First come, first serve. Um and it's going to be a reverse music show, kind of. What we're going to do is call you, and you're going to give your music choices the way Frank, Bill, and I did um, for the years, approximate years of 1986, 1996, and 2006. What uh, you were listening to, maybe some important songs for you at that point, 
something that represented your musical tastes at the time. And uh, if you would like to participate and have us call you, it will um, be on November the 20th. That's a Wednesday. That's a Wednesday. It'll be a weekday. We're going to start calls going out at 6.30. We'll make the first phone call at around 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern. And uh, like, if you want us to call you, uh, send us an email, halfhourwastedgmail.com. You're going to have to give us the three songs that, you've, that you would like to uh, talk about and your phone number of choice for us to call you. And after we um, get a few of those emails in, we'll be able to more or less kind of give you approximate times when we would call. We'll make the first phone call around 6.30 Central. So if you would like to participate in this, please let us know. November 20th. November 20th. Wednesday night. Now, uh, should people send you the music files? Should they point you to a YouTube uh, link that maybe has the song? Or is that yet to be determined? You know, at Gmail, you can can probably, if you can email to Brad, that's probably the best way to do it. Just because... Yeah, Gmail has a 25 megabyte limit. Yeah, you can send send three song files in in an email these days. If you have to, send three emails. If you've got the file, go ahead and send it. There's a good chance... You know, one of us might have it, or yeah. And if it's a, if it happens to be DRM, um, just give us the name, and then we'll figure out a way to get yeah. it. If you know, like if you have yeah. a DRM copy yeah. of heaven it, heaven forbid, we'll heaven forbid if if it seems uh, worthwhile, we might uh, might throw it on ninety nine cents to buy it off iTunes. Yeah, wow. if you got a YouTube link for See? it, you can uh, give us that, and I can just capture the audio that way. Nice. Well, this would be interesting to hear. Um, to hear you guys take on it i can't wait to send in my suggestions what time are you guys gonna call me we will call you on the 21st oh what's you gonna call me that's a burn <laughs> brad just burned you brad just zinged you good yeah. tbd hey bill uh it was a great show uh oh snap yeah. oh snap yeah. look what i saw oh snap i missed that i have to find that sound effect biz Marquee. Oh snap! I like his I like his sound uh, bite from uh, Men in Black Two. <laughs> when him and uh, when he and Will Smith are talking, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was, I can't do it, but it's pretty awesome. People say Men in Black Two had no redeeming value to it. There was some good stuff in it. I also had Laura Flynn Boyle, which uh, until she went until she went mental and started dating Jack Nicholson was. She was quite the catch. What did Peter? What was Peter Griffin's job with uh, Larry Flynn Boyle? Remember he he uh, was, oh, her, no. was her pillow or something? Or yeah, he was her blanket. So to keep he, her warm. Keep her warm because she was so skinny. <laughs> Lara is Dylan McDermott as nice in person as he is on TV, or something like that. Yeah, and he and he was like, she's like, yeah, yeah. good. That's good. Good. That's good. My favorite part I can say of. Men in Black 2 was the beginning that kind of the gotcha moment where you see the spaceship flying through and it comes through the atmosphere and it crashes and it turns out it's about the size of a pecan. You yeah. know, it's just that was so <laughs> yeah. great. Well, and I love how it's it's destroying planets on its way <laughs> yes. through the opening credits. You know. <laughs> That's right, it was. I'm going to have to watch that again. I really liked Men in Black 3 too. I thought it was uh, real, real good. Know, Man, I don't know how to quantify this because I haven't sat through and watched the entirety of Men in Black in years. Um, gosh, it's on Netflix. Uh, the first Men in Black is on Netflix. And by the way, I, I know Netflix fantastic. does this, 
But they did not parse out much bandwidth to Men in Black, the movie. Because it is it is blocky and... Maybe you just, just had a bad internet connection that day. It's possible. I'm willing I'm to give it a second right chance. Um, but it I, seemed like it was very low resolution compared to other things. You know, like, uh, you know, Voyager and Deep Space Nine seem like they're very low resolution. Maybe just because they were standard F shows. But, you know, you watch, you watch the Star Trek, the original series on Netflix, it's beautiful. You know, you watch, you watch uh, uh, House of Cards or uh, Arrested Development or, uh, you know, Spy Kids, Spy Kids 4 or whatever. They look really nice. I wonder these if... These don't look so nice. I wonder if, like, you know, these movies sit on a server and, like, if they're not accessed, yeah. like, if it's not as popular as other ones, it just kind of... Maybe they start taking away bandwidth from it. <laughs> or it's just, like, harder to access. That looks great. That's also on your phone, not a 42-inch TV. That's yeah, true. Brad. Okay. But, no, I, I see your point. And, you know, there's, there's possibilities is, is my connection. But I do have, um, uh, I, and I also use my Blu-ray player. I don't have, like, a Roku box or a Google dongle or Apple TV or. Here's one of my favorite scenes. Oh, hang on. Let me back up. <laughs> let me back up. I don't know what scene you're getting ready to play for me, but I'm already giggling because I'm like that. Come on. Aww. Oh, the, the Wi-Fi went away for some reason. No! It's kind of shaky out here on the patio. It is, and that really bums me out because when I moved the uh, the modem into the living room... West Point, graduate with honors. We're here because you're looking for the best of the best of the best. Sir! <laughs> What's so funny, Edwards? Boy, Captain America over here. <laughs> the best of the best of the best, sir. <laughs> yeah, with honors. <laughs> yeah, he's just really excited, and he has no clue why we're here. <laughs> that's just that's very funny to me. <laughs> that's just very. <laughs> that's very funny to me. That whole what scene is, where they he doesn't have a pencil or his pencil yeah. breaks during the test taking, and then he pulls the table over, <laughs> and it's really loud, and he's making yeah, this. Like, it's the most horrible nails in a nails yeah. in a chalkboard sound you could possibly imagine. You want in on this? But that no, that is an awesome scene because you know all the all the jarheads are. Yeah. God dang it! Here I am making the military angry again. I've already hacked off the postal workers. Now I've got yeah, the, military the military coming after me. Well, I, like, I, th- I think Marines are like okay with jarheads. This, can I dump this whole episode? <laughs> um, just just cut me out of this episode, Brad, all right? The only thing you don't want to say this, to this a Marine... This would be a dream come true for you anyway. So the just, worst thing you can say to a Marine is, the Marines are part of the Navy, right? Oh! Which is true, but they don't like hearing that. No, you don't need to tell them that. No. But it does make you wonder why you don't have, like... You know, the Marines should have a football team, shouldn't they? Yeah. Well, they're the elite, I okay. guess. Explain to me this. How does the Coast Guard, I think, has a football team, but the Marines <laughs> don't? Anybody explain that to me? I don't know. All right. I also like the scene where they're they go in the gun range and the lights go out and all these monsters are coming out everywhere and oh, yeah. everybody's shooting except for <laughs> Will Smith and uh, he finally takes one shot at the end. Pow! Yeah. And Rip Torn comes in. What the hell happened, Edwards? It's the little girl with yeah. like the teddy bear. And he's whatever. like hesitated, just as so <laughs> nonchalant. Well, I like where he explained it on the shooting range. Yeah. You know, he explains it. Well, this mon- you know, this guy up here, you know, is clearly suffering from. You know, he- he's clearly got cavities or something. You know, he's not going to bite you. This 
and he just he goes all around uh, he goes completely around the environment and tells you what every monster mm-hmm. and threat why they weren't really a threat and then he gets the little girl and it's like hey you know any six year old girl would be out here at two in the morning clearly something wrong with yeah. that carrying books yeah. about uh, advanced physics or something yeah yes. way too advanced for her I'm clearly paraphrasing please don't anybody uh, try to win a bar bet off my recitation of that scene has anyone uh, had a uh, pumpkin spice latte from Starbucks? Yes, it's that time of year. I have. I, I would have to go to Starbucks latte. first to do it, that. Uh, apparently, it's this is their ten year anniversary for that yeah. drink. You know, Starbucks tweeted uh, a month ago or so. Um, pumpkin spice is the new bacon, and I responded and I said, "Bacon is available year round." <laughs> <laughs> Thank they, you. The uh, yes. The pumpkin spice is uh, a seasonal drink that's not available right. year-round. They did not respond, by mm-hmm. the way. Oh. They were just thinking, well, that's... Uh, yeah. Well, he's got a point. <laughs> 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 Who thought up this tweet? Fire them! <laughs> Please suggest we get a Twitter account. Do you actually follow Starbucks I tweets? do. I do. For what purpose? Because okay. Starbucks... I'm not mad at you. I'm not... I don't I'm know not, why I started following him, but I do. I'm not heading towards any kind of a comedic point or anything. I'm just, it's like, yeah, okay, no. this is fine. Why I, do I follow you? Clearly, it's not for the comedy. <laughs> no, it's not for the comedy. Thing. Well, and it, you don't. You certainly don't follow my Twitter account for the tweets either. So, uh, what's I, my password again? No, I honestly. Excuse me. Wow, what is that? That's the next door neighbor's air conditioner. I hope it doesn't explode. Ooh, sounded like that was loud. That uh, that air conditioner is that air conditioner is about half the size of their house. It must be awesome. They probably keep it about fifty eight degrees in there. Mister Freeze lives next door. Yeah. Whereas wow, I, you smell that? Yeah, it's oh, like burning. That's not good. It smells like burning moths or something. Ooh, I'm gonna go take a look. Well, I mean, we'll see flames lick over Holy the uh, top of no, my that fence. Does not smell good. No, that's horrible. It's like it just powered it on. What's wrong with your eyes? Oh, I just, I think I, I've been petting the dog and the yeah, cats. Yeah. And I made the mistake of rubbing my eyes, and now yeah. I've got dog and cat in both my Ooh. eyes. And it's actually, I, I can't say it's painful, but it's not great. I, I had, I've got some Visine or some clear eyes around here somewhere, and I don't I know can't why. I not see anything. Is it too smoky over there? No. Oh, it's dark, right. The fence is too high. Yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of it definitely smelled fence. like they were burning some bugs up. Yeah, it smelled like they might have been burning through some wiring. Yeah. Hey, Bill, so you have this frosty glass yeah. in your master bath? Right. You ever, you ever press some ham on that? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> it's big. It's just... Put it on the glass! <laughs> now, I can tell you, though, I didn't realize this uh, until just a year or so ago, that uh, if you're in the backyard and someone's in the bathroom... You could clearly see a figure moving in the bathroom. It's not. Luckily, the, the frost keeps it from being, you know, picture perfect. But, <laughs> but man, you can tell what's going on in there. Okay, yeah. you can tell if it's like <laughs> if you're showering or, you know, if you're combing your hair. You know, back in in high school, measuring there there's a uh, uh, there was some college apartments. Uh, that I live by, and I can remember one night I was with some friends, and these are small places and stuff, and they probably weren't air conditioned. It was a Friday night, I was driving with some friends, and we looked by, and there's a guy who's in his bathroom, 
and the window's open, and the window's probably like a foot by a foot, and he's just there standing in the shower, washing his hair, looking miserable, and he's just standing there. (laughs) And a friend I'm with sees it and just starts to laugh, like really loud. And the guy looks over and just, oh, he's disgusted. He's just still washing his hair. Son of a gun. A poor guy. It's like he had a bad day and everyone's watching him, watching him wash his hair and people are laughing at him. I've never understood windows and showers. You know, on the outside of the house, you know? Yeah. Even if it's just by your head. No, the the fact uh, that somebody knows you're in there. No, the, the, the window... Above your head in the shower, though, yeah. man, I want one of those in every room in the house. That really? is awesome. Nice light. Yeah. Well, mainly it's not because you're showering; it's because you're doing something else in there that can stand to be aired out. You know what I mean? Oh, it's nice to be able to shut the bathroom door and open the window and come <laughs> back in an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That makes. What are you eating? Yeah, that makes a, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, Way too much cuttlefish these days. <laughs> Why are you cuddling with fish? Lots That's of, what I want to know. Lots of cuttlefish and asparagus. You Let's go ahead and wrap me, this up. You totally need to keep a box of matches. But we never even got into World War Z. Oh, gosh. Oh, let's talk about it. That's the whole point behind the uh, behind this episode's uh, title. So you finally saw it? I finally saw it, yes. Uh, I finally saw it last night. And um, uh, a number of you people mm-hmm. had have seen it previously. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I don't think any of you guys had anything negative to say about it. I mean, Mm-mm. I loved it. Yeah, you, Brad, loved it. I liked it. You liked it, and I, I was somewhere in between. I, I wasn't in love with the movie, but I did figure something out last night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brad Pitt. Yeah, if I had to, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> He's a beautiful man to you. He's a good-looking dude. Oh. You know, it's okay. You know, uh, um. You know what? I recognize uh, I recognize uh, good-looking ladies, and uh, you know, nothing wrong with recognizing a good-looking guy. Okay, but I actually I've I, for some reason, um, it, you know, I don't know why, but I've always bought Brad Pitt's scene. I just I thought he was you know, he was great in True Romance. He was great in Fight Club. He was great in I mean. I've never sat through Meet Joe Black or was it a River Runs Through It or one of those. I think that was, might have been movies. his breakout movie. River yeah. Runs Through It, but uh, there's a, a number of his movies I've never seen. I've never seen Mr. And Mrs. Smith. I've heard that's really cool. I liked it. I'm gonna have to see if it's on Netflix. I've heard people tell me that's a great movie. It's fun. I don't know. I was never a Brad Pitt fan either. And see, no, oh, I, no, you were, but I, I wasn't. I always have been a Brad yeah. Pitt fan. I don't know why. I just, I just, I like his demeanor. Um, he has range in a very it's not this over the top range but he has range he can do different things and you just kind of I don't know I believe him when he's in certain roles I think much like um, okay they say uh, I had a a buddy of mine um, we were in college and he goes this is why Eric Clapton is a great guitarist because it's like lay down Sally whatever it's some chords how can you tell if he's great this is how you can tell he's great. He plays in his song, and he does a solo, or I'm trying to remember if it's a solo or the end of the song, but he does a solo that's not terribly complicated, 
But then as the solo is decaying out, they're getting ready to pick back up the next phrase or whatever, he does this incredible riff, literally as the guitar is being mixed out of of the, the song. And he says that's where his greatness shows up. He's, he's subtle about it. He's not trying to wow anyone. It's like it's not like Ingve Malmsteen, right? You know, you know, there's none of that. You know, Clapton could do that if he wanted to, but but the, his genius is in his subtlety. And I think I don't. <laughs> Dude, the strings are burning. I'm gonna go get the uh, fire extinguisher before the uh, fretboard burns up, baby. Nice. Bend that string. Look at that blue note. That's awesome. I was kind of hoping you'd go Stanley Jordan and get both hands up there on the fretboard. Yeah. Um, but I think, in some ways, I think I, I, Brad Pitt compares favorably to a guy like Eric Clapton. I'm not trying to say best of all time or whatever, but I just think a lot of Brad Pitt, um, even when he's underplaying something, they're still smoldering underneath the surface. You can still he's still conveying to you that there's a lot happening inside him sure. that he's not necessarily having to go theatrical with. Yeah. And I think that is one of the reasons why I kind of dig a scene. Um, just because... And, and, and I think a lot of it was, you know, I got, you know... like His appearance in True Romance was a cameo, basically. You know, hey, get some beer and... and Cleaning products. What a great line from a great actor. True Romance, done by the late, great Tony Scott, who's just as dead as Ronnie James Dio. And I'm sorry <laughs> about that, because I miss both of you guys. Um, I don't hate Brad Pitt by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I like him much more than I do Tom Cruise, which okay. is hardly at all. But um, I really liked uh, him and 12 Monkeys. Yeah, that and, movie is so hard for me to watch. And that's what I mean by range. He plays kind yeah. of a little crazy guy there. And I also liked him as the Pikey in Snatch. Yeah, there's another oh, yeah, little... Snatch. That was great. Tremendous. Yeah, that was great. And uh, in Inglorious Bastards, he oh, plays right. kind of yeah. an old Tennessee type of, uh, you know, country boy, military guy, yeah. and he's really good in it, too. Well, I think and, one thing I like about him is that, unlike Tom Cruise... He's not necessarily the best at everything. And that's something that Tom Cruise finally got over, I think. Because when Tom Cruise first started out, you know, Tom Cruise, he's the best pilot. You know, he's the best fighter pilot. The best. And he's the best football player. And he's the best this. And he's the, he's the best spy. And he's the best, you know, it's just whatever Tom Cruise did, he had to be the best at. You know, nobody but Tom Cruise can yeah. save our can save us, you know. You know, nobody but Tom Cruise can run for that touchdown or pass for it. Nobody but Tom Cruise can catch the bad guy. No, you know, And you never get that impression of Brad Pitt, even though he does oftentimes play characters who are that exceptional. Like in, in World War Z, I mean, they bend over backwards to save him and his yeah. family mm -hmm. and basically no one else on the planet. Because they've already assembled all the, you know, all the, the quote, essential personnel right. are already assembled on, in, on the fleets, you know, in the, the the Navy fleets, but they they go through a lot of trouble to retrieve him from Philadelphia when everything starts breaking out. I just I really like the pace of the movie, and I uh, I don't know why. I think it's because there's there's 
Is there any gore in that movie? I don't think there's any gore at I, all. I don't think there is. There's a little no bit blood. of blood, but not much gore. I don't, there's never blood spatter. There's never no. you know somebody's scalp getting bitten off. No, there's there, nothing like that. It was surprisingly ungory for a zombie movie. And I don't remember any language in it. I don't. There might have been one damn, but yeah. that was. I mean, it was. It was a. If it wasn't for the subject matter, yeah, a kid could have gone to see well, that movie. And that was the thing, Sage. You know, God bless him has been talking for a couple months now about wanting to see World War Z, and I've just been saying, let me watch it, let me watch it. Probably not, but let me watch it, okay? I did the same thing with Terminator 2. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to need to watch it one more time. Just make sure there's nothing in it that's just too freaky for you. <coughs> and we did end up watching Terminator 2 back in July, I guess. And I watched it with him. I sat there with him, and I kind of tried to monitor his emotional response. And there are a couple times when I stopped and explained things to him, you yeah. know. Um, I didn't just put it on and, you know, go hang out in the garage or whatever. You know, I, I didn't go do engine work or whatever, just leave him alone. But uh, um, there is no way in heck I'm going to let him see World War Z. No, it's pretty... It's, it's just, scary. It's freaky, it's pretty man. Intense. I mean, it's just... I mean, especially when it, when it first starts happening and the way they're just... They're trying to pound their foreheads through the windshields, yeah. and, and the it's like, and, and you know, they run, and you know, the first couple times you see someone literally turn in, and they they kind of do the jerky body movements, and you know, they mm-hmm. twist halfway around like like a, a living person shouldn't be able to do, and yeah. you know, they're just no that it's really cool how they can do a movie that is free from unnecessary language. Sometimes language is necessary. I'm not trying to be a prude here, right? And I certainly can talk like a sailor, so I'm not trying to be holier than thou. But it was really cool to see a movie that does not have to rely on adult language and adult visuals, you know, skin, you know, whatever. PG-13. Gore. Um, This is one of those where I really think that you do need to be real close to 13 to see this movie. I I think I've I've let Sage see plenty of PG-13 flicks. Action, adventure, and horror. Yeah, well, a there was of, horror, and I just, I think, uh, you know... A lot of a, horror is what they don't uh, show you. Well, as a six-year-old, it, it's... Those kind of images sure. are going to haunt him for a decade oh, or Oh, he'd have dreams. And I just... No, so, I'm sorry, Sage, if you're listening to this. You ain't seeing it, bro. No, I'm, I'm sure he'd have <laughs> dreams. But um, it was really cool the way the uh, the way it played out. I, I, I knew almost nothing about the movie. I, I know that it makes me want to read the book, too, because I know the book is more a collection of fictional essays. It's completely different. Yeah, and they're the they're part not that I read. They're not there's not a, a narrative thread running through them. No. It's literally like these are these are the writings, the essays, the letters, the whatever from a number of different people discussing this yeah. zombie epidemic. And um, just today I was uh, reading uh, I think it was Bleeding Cool or it's one of them uh, where they said that uh, Mark Forster is not going to return for the sequel. Was going to be a Forster was the director of the yeah, first but movie. Yeah, but I didn't realize there was going to be a... I thought it left on a good note. Like, it could have been a one and done. It could. I it think just, that's the way it ended. And again, I appreciate that. It doesn't that. beg a sequel. Right. Be- before I saw it, I heard that, you know, there are, there are other World War Z books out there. Aren't there? There's only one I know of. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I'm I mean, that's never... Max Brooks, that's, maybe the I'm thinking author of different World narratives. War Z, has written other zombie books. Okay, like did they the not zombie ha- survival guide? But okay, did they not happen in the? Well, the zombie survival guide that was a kind of a humorous. Is that book. literally a how-to? Yeah, not a, it's not a narrative. 
Yeah, okay. I believe so. Okay. I think All there's right. only been one narrative that he's written about World War Z. Okay. Um, but knowing that, that it was more like a collection of essays, you know, than one coherent narrative, one story going from point A to point B, um, it'd be interesting to, to read that book and find out if... Uh, did they take one of the narratives, one of the stories, and spin that into the whole movie? Or did they basically just kind of take the name and make their own movie off of that? Um, I got the impression, because I do know some people that didn't read it, that okay. it's more the latter. They just took the name. Okay. Uh, because that whole thing is just a historical document. It takes place like about 20 or yes. 50 years after yeah, was, the breakout, it and it's just how people survive. It was people reminiscing about it. Well, and it does make you wonder, because it looks pretty stinking hopeless. I mean, I, I guess uh, the the genius uh, the genius twist at the end, you know, how they kind of got around it, but um, I think I need to go back and watch the last 15 minutes of the movie just to kind of make sure I know how exactly how it does end. Uh, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of scenario. Right. Well, I mean, the, the whole idea that, you know, that the zombies are looking for healthy tissue, not diseased tissue, is quite a revelation. But I thought there a lot of characters in that, that movie I thought were really cool. And and I loved the super smart kid theoretical scientist, whatever. The guy who was the guy who came up with, you know, a lot of the the, the zombie fighting ideas. The guy that they took out in the field with them. Yeah. And Actually, we I talked. Just, we the, talked about that plot point. The, so. the conversation that they have on on the plane on the C one thirty, whatever that was, was awesome. Where he he was saying, um, uh, what was it? How, uh, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, the whole game is recognizing, um, you know, you what you think, you know. And he was talking specifically about how to defeat a virus or, or how to defeat a disease, and it's like. You know, oftentimes the disease is what seems like the disease's strongest point is the chink in its armor. Right. And it is, you know, that kind of idea that, you know, it doesn't have to be hopeless. It's it's basically kind of a game to figure out how, you know, there will be a way to defeat this. It's just a matter of divining that answer. And uh, I, I, I loved his character. And I had to go back and rewind it because... Um, uh, spoilers here. Sorry. Yeah. No. We've uh, we for I, World War Z. I think we've talked about. Yeah. This I think you point. guys talked about the movie, and I, I hadn't seen it yet. But uh, when uh, he kind of panics when they get to their first stop, and he tries to run back in, into the plane, which makes perfect sense. I probably would have too. But it's raining like cats and dogs, and he slips and trips. And I did not realize the first time I watched it that he accidentally capped himself. Yeah. I just, I mean, Brad Pitt kind of leans down and he kind of looks at him and uh, he kind of feels his neck or whatever. And then he gets up and then the movie continues and there's never a word given like, oh no, he's dead. You know, the, it's kind of cool that they don't have to spoon feed every single bit of information to you. Um, they kind of let you just get on the roller coaster and enjoy the ride. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, you know, again, I, I thought... Uh, um, Brad Pitt's character was, was very cool. I mean, the um, even that, little touches. That scene where the, where the scientist dies was was a great gotcha moment for me. Yeah, because you don't expect it. You expect him to be the hero. You expect him to right. figure it out. When he dies, it's you. That becomes an OS moment. It's yeah. just like 
No, that whoa that's well, like all Schwarzenegger dying yeah. halfway through a Terminator movie yeah, or something was, you know it was probably 20-30 seconds later where it's like whoa 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 wait a minute wait a minute he's and I had to back it up and it's like holy cow he did and it was very subtle yep. because it's a tiny a tiny little muzzle flash that unless you're paying attention you're gonna miss it's literally a blink and you miss it kind of thing and so it's really kind of cool how subtle the movie was how subtle Brad Pitt how almost understated Brad Pitt's character was. I don't mean that as a criticism because actors play understated all the time and it becomes wooden. Um, he does it and it still feels like there's a lot of nuance uh, involved there. And again, maybe this is just me and my apparent Brad Pitt man crush. And you know what? Fine. Brad Pitt, he's a man crush, okay? Women want to be with him. Men want to be him. I'm right there. Yeah. So, um, you know, good on you. And uh, I agree. I think it's really cool that they left that movie in a place where there does not have to be a sequel because they had no idea. You know, that movie could have been a a Battlefield Earth or Lone Ranger-sized flop very easily. Sorry about that. You know, no sweat. Um, And it's I don't know what kind of bank it made. Clearly it made enough to make another one. And um, It it was was a summer hit. That was not a small-budget movie either. I mean, the amount of CGI alone would crank the other uh, budget up, but um, I don't know. I mean, having Brad Pitt again is is also an expensive thing. I mean, well, I'm sure he's it was, also I'm but sure that, it was two hundred plus. But I see. I think Brad Pitt was uh, wasn't he? He was a producer of some sort of this movie. Yeah. I mean, he probably is on most of his movies. Maybe I don't know. But I think, uh, he, I think he. But I think he has an actual financial stake in this movie because isn't isn't Plan B his production company? I think so. Okay. B for Brad. Yeah. So Plan B, uh, and it specifically said, you know, talking about uh, Plan, it didn't mention Brad Pitt necessarily by name, but it it, it was, you know, Brad Pitt's the obvious inference, but um, Plan B uh, uh, starting to uh, starting to get into, you know, conceptualization for pre-production on uh, World War Z sequel. It's like, that's cool. I, I just... There's a lot of things that would be very obvious directions to go in the second movie, which I don't want them to do. Uh, I like the fact, I really like the fact that the family was out of danger, except for the initial sequence, which is completely understandable. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that, that they were, um, shoot, they were, weren't they? Uh, because they were on the boat, and then they get like taken to Nova Scotia or someplace like that. I'm trying to remember they, where. They are kicked off the boat because yeah. they, cause Brad... They assume Brad de- Brad Pitt's character is dead. Well, uh, the, or, his or Brad Pitt cannot deliver. So Brad Pitt's buddy uh, Teary, the UN guy, um, is basically ordered to get the family off the boat. I'm trying to remember exactly why that happened. Um, there, there are limited resources. I was very relaxed. Uh, the during that the movie. deal was made that you know if you help us, we'll help your family. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, he couldn't deliver at yeah, some point, I don't or they thought it, he was dead. They might have thought he was dead because of the plane crash. I don't remember it being a punitive thing. It's like you did wrong. Get off our boat. I don't I, think. I don't remember I don't it being that. that. I think either. it was just a. I'm sorry. You know, these are kind of the rules we're working with right now. You know, you guys will find you someplace safe on the mainland. Um, it had to do with resources and, and not. Yeah. I think the, the only part of the movie I kind of went, really, to, was, um, you know, so 
they convinced Brad Pitt, who had been a some kind of unspecified problem solver for the United Nations. He had been in a number of war zones. That was a problem they, they I had never, with that because they never said what they he never was. Explained. Well, clearly he was some kind of a not not a mercenary necessarily, but he did mercenary things for his government. I'm guessing he probably did. He might have done bad things. On I didn't get that. I did not get that. I thought he was like a talker and a thinker, which doesn't. I mean, still, but they they kept it mysterious, <laughs> which I thought was interesting, um, because again, it was one more example of them not having to spoon feed every single bit of information to you. You know, it's like you. Oftentimes, it makes me a little bit crazy when a movie is intentionally vague. It's like, oh, how do you think it ended? No. I just paid ten bucks and you spent hundred and fifty million. Why don't you tell me how it ended? You know, that's usually my answer. And then this, you know, that you're doesn't not gonna apply wanna, here because it's not the end of the movie. You're but. not gonna want to see the Wolverine movie uh, Prisoners then. <laughs> okay. Hugh Jackman yeah. and um Terrence Howard. Yes. I um, saw that. Hey, guess what? I already didn't want to see it. Yeah. So, oh that so movie. We're, okay. we're good. Yeah. Um it, it it had a vague ending. And I just you know, sometimes that's Understandable. Sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes the plot demands that um, because you can't tell a story that lasts for I don't know whatever. Um, I, I guess they can, um, but uh, well, I, I think going on a tangent a little bit. I think some filmmakers do that because no matter what ending they come up with, no one's going to be happy. Yeah, they give you a vague ending where you have to figure it out. Everybody's happy because it's just. Or nobody's... Well, it's just like, you have to figure it out. It's whatever happened. It's ever what you think happened, happened. Yeah, I don't like that. Um, I guess I, I've got little enough imagination that I, I do want you to at least tell me what, what your interpretation was, Mr. Author. Yeah, I don't like <laughs> I don't like vague endings. It depends on the circumstances. I can, I'm yeah. fine with them. I'm trying to think. There, there's got to be plenty of movies out there that had vague endings that I really dug. Um, but they're not coming to mind. I mean, seven that. was seven. Didn't seven have a vague ending? No, <laughs> seven was. Well, well I, they never show you what's in the box, but you have oh, to infer you know what's, what's in the box. In, you yeah. can tell by Brad Pitt's reaction exactly what's in the box. And I think Kevin Spacey he uh, he makes some oblique references, so it's really it's not a mystery what's in the box. I've only seen it once. Very oh my god, that is a that is a disturbing movie. Of is that another movie I love Brad Pitt in? I love that movie, um, but I don't know if I'll ever watch it again because it's kind of hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but just it's, like it's Tracy a, Morgan's movie on Thirty Rock that he won the Oscar for. That was the name of the movie he won the Oscar for. Hard to watch. <laughs> was it really hard to yeah. watch? <laughs> I thought that was a Steven Seagal movie. Maybe I'm wrong. He did that one after he did Who Dat Ninja. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or let's oh, wrap man. this up. Yeah, you know, Thirty Rock. One of these days, I'm going to watch it. Send us an email at halfhourwastedjock.com if you have comments or questions, or if you would like to participate in episode 350, mm-hmm. November the 20th. Oh wait! Stop! Stop! Stop everything! Yes. I give World War Z four reverse flashes. Okay. Out of Very five. Very good. Very good. Uh, because there was really nothing about it I didn't like. Good on you. Good on you. No doubt, mate. Um, Frank has the closing song. Yes. 
I, uh, I picked this up on Amazon recently. They were having their 100 albums for $5. Uh-huh. So I looked through it, and they had Avid Brothers. That's a Brothers. lot of albums for only 5 bucks. No, It's great. It's like $0.20 cents an album. I know. That's amazing. So I decided to get uh, Avid Brothers, I and Love and You. came out in 2009, and uh, the name of the song is... I have to bring that up is called it's just one of the cuts off of it it is called kick drum heart it's a lot of fun is that a deep album cut Matt? uh or it is, is a single it is it probably was a single but it's uh it's way deep in there it's of course, like I, um i don't know what radio station you listen to to enjoy the final work of the avent brothers <laughs> but uh avid brothers kick drum heart here on hhw radio see you next time I love